0: In you I find my joy. Okay, how's everyone doing? I'm ready. Uh, it's so good to see all of you. I have a smaller water bottle this time. <clears throat> it's an honor to speak with you tonight. Um, I'm always excited when I get the opportunity. It's such a joy. Um, Tonight, really two, about two days ago when I was um, kind of prepping this message a bit more, I just kept getting this phrase in my head, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I just kept feeling that, who the sun sets free is free indeed, and so I just have a, ma- I came, I woke up this morning and I came here just with this major, major feeling inside um, that people are going to get free tonight. <laughs> Uh, something I shared in kind of pre-gathering is this idea of they're, they're, God's character is so like like peace is just not the conflict of I mean just the absence of conflict. Peace is a person. Every week uh, we um, are this idea of like oh like God wants to heal. Well every every Sunday God wants to heal. But how many of you know there are certain nights where it's like God wants to heal tonight, right? So every week I'd say God God wants to bring freedom, but tonight I sense He wants to bring freedom. <laughs> okay, here we go. It's it's Jesus. He is freedom. He's your freedom tonight. When we talk about the gospel, when he comes and meets you, you just change. You get free. You become, uh, we were singing it today. Um, Hannah was beautifully singing. She just said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's a promise when you see Jesus, rightly. So tonight, that's what we're going to do. We are continuing in our series Uh, A vision and values. As a church, our vision is to see earth look more and more like heaven. So our vision is Jesus' vision on earth as it is in heaven. Then our mission as a church, I love this. It's good to just read this stuff again. I was reading this mission again. I was like, whoa. Uh, To equip the saints to know who they are in Christ. So when we gather here, the Bible talks about stir each other up in love and good works. My goal tonight, our goal when we minister to God is that you are the saints That feel equipped to know who they are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, you will walk in freedom through the truth. And when you hold that freedom, you'll make disciples that change the world. (laughs) That's our mission. That's good. Then as a church, we have 10 core values that the Lord gave us when we planted the church. These are the values to kind of walk out that vision, that mission kind of our goals are kind of our kingdom building blocks, if you will. And tonight, I have the privilege of talking to you all about value number six. We are the righteousness of God. I love this one. We are the righteousness of God. See, I would argue that probably besides our first value that God is good, I'd, I'd probably argue that this value, we are the righteousness of God, is the absolute most important value on the list. We are the righteousness of God. It's important because this value is an identity statement. I would say it's extremely important because all the other values on the list, the kingdom, uh, kingdom values, but even our values, I would argue, they flow rightfully, like like they flow the right way when you have a righteous identity. All of those come to pass when you know who you are in Christ. See, the Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his? Ooh. Some people read their Bibles. That's good. Seek first his kingdom and his. Because it's how he sees you. When you are seeking the kingdom, you have to see how he sees you. You need to know your identity while seeking the kingdom. See, the value we are, the righteousness of God, declares the truth of an identity restoration that has taken place. An identity that's been restored back into the right standing with God. Righteousness. We'll get more on that later. We are So we are called the righteousness of God. Knowing who we are in Christ is the most important thing in the kingdom. I was even talking to my wife about this earlier today. We were just like, why is it important to know um, that we are the righteousness of God? And we we're saying, because it's, it really is for us in this conversation today, we we're like, it's the good news of the gospel. That in this life, when you are connected to Jesus, when you choose relationship, when you choose communion, when you step into this new identity, you are promised, like what Hannah was saying, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. This is important because if there's one thing I want you to take from tonight, is if we don't believe that we are the righteous of God, everything we put our hands to in this life, church life, ministry, vocation, calling, relationships, family life, you building a family, whatever it is, if we don't understand who we are in Christ, we will always be working for an identity instead of from one. I'll say it again. If we don't know who we are, I promise you, everything that you are building in life, you will be doing it looking for an identity instead of working from one. See, to me, that sounds like a yoke that is easy and a burden that's light. We are the righteousness of God. This is also important because when we believe this, we now are the representation of Jesus. Our life becomes a sign and a wonder to a world that can see through your life. When you believe what he says about you, you can now show the world what is at hand, what is offered in following Jesus. Show the world what true freedom looks like. I remember when the church was uh, being planted at the beginning. I don't know if Alex remembers this, but just every now and then we'd we'd hear people say little things like this and we get what they're saying, but they'd say little things like you guys are kind of that real like identity type of church. <laughs> like you guys really talk about identity though. And I think it's funny because identity transformation, the truth and knowledge of Christ's finished work and what that means, I would argue is the thing it's like not a new series, it's not a new topic that we like talk about, it's the whole point of the gospel, is identity. So it's kind of funny, because it's like, oh, you guys really talk about identity, because like, that's the thing, right? So to start, um, let's all stand. I don't know why we're standing. More because I want to declare some scripture before we start. You're like, why, why do they keep having me stand up and down and talk and do this stuff. Uh, there's a few scriptures I just want to start and declare, mostly because I want. Tonight, is there's going to be a lot of scripture. How many of you brought your Bibles? Your phones have the Bible on it. Tonight, we're going to really use it. Sword drills, fast fingers today. Um, I mostly want to stand and see this and throughout, have your Bibles open. We're going to see a lot of passage passages tonight in the Bible because I don't want you to think that I have a special Bible. I want you with your little ojos. Como se dice ojos, eyes. Um, uh, I want you to see, oh my gosh, that's in my Bible. There's some verses that we're going to see. Oh, wait, that's in the Bible. Okay, here we go. John 8, 31, 32. Let's all say this out loud together. One, two, three. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Wow. Okay, so how do you know? Put it back up. Love you, pal. Okay, you are really my disciples. How do you know if you're a disciple? You hold you hold to his teaching. You hold to what he says. Pretty simple. And when you hold to that, it's saying then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People are going to get freed tonight because they're about to hear some truth. Next slide. Romans five sixteen through seventeen. Here we go. One two three. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. Stop. The gift of God is him coming and dying for us. Okay? The judgment. One, two, three. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. 17. Oh, sorry. I just yelled 17. Real quick. Justification. We're, we're, there's a family here. Justification. Theologically, that means it takes away the penalty of sin. And removes guilt. It's a good word. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, Adam, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So good. One more. Let's read this. Uh, Isaiah 61, we have one verse. I love this. When I was reading, this is so good. Isaiah 61 is just amazing. The title of it, it says, The Year of the Lord's Favor. Yeah. How many of you just received that for yourself tonight? And like, for the, like, I'm stepping into the Lord's favor because truth's about to set me free. That's how I feel. This is what it says. Isaiah 61.10. Read it out loud strong. Here we go. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness, as a bridegroom adores his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Wow, he clothed me with garments of salvation. That word is also at at some points used like sozo. So he's, he fall, winter, 2020, (sighs) garments, you already have your uniform picked out. Garments of salvation, healed, delivered, set free, robe of his righteousness. Everyone tonight has a tailored robe for you. Fall, winter, 2020, robe. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. But you have a robe of his righteousness, right standing with God. It's good. Let me pray, and then we'll jump uh, more on. Holy Spirit, you love to reveal Jesus. You love to reveal truth, and it's truth that sets you free. Not Jake's words, not a cool idea, but it's truth that sets you free, people free, us free. Reveal truth. Lord, I just... uh, I pray that every single person tonight would say, oh my gosh, I see him rightly, I see myself rightly, Now I'm ready to change the world. Anybody that has just false identity, insecurities, chains, shackles, whatever it is, break them off right now in Jesus' name. Be free. It's truth that sets you free. Amen. You may take a seat. The title of my message tonight is Established in Truth. Established in truth. Let's all say that together. Established in truth. See, that's the goal. In Isaiah 61, later in that, uh, there's a phrase that says, to be oaks of righteousness planted. That's the goal, is to be an oak, a tree planted in good soil and be righteous. I said you need your Bibles. Let's flip to Genesis 1, the beginning. Genesis 1. Now, to even understand who we are, what our values, what our identity is, I want to start with why were we created. So Genesis chapter 1. Are we there? Starting in verse 26, says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So humans, mankind, you were created, made, crafted in the image of God. I love that phrase that we just read, in our likeness. So you were created to just be like, exactly like your creator. And unto what purpose were you created? So that they may rule. (laughs) This is so simple but important because we were created in God's image to be like him and then in that identity, rule and reign over the world. How? By being like him. So the original intent, the original design before sin entered the picture, that was our identity. That is how and why he created us. Now moving on, let's flip in in our Bibles just a little bit to the right to Genesis 2. I don't know if you've ever caught this, but like Genesis 1 is kind of a chronological, just what happened during the week of creation. Then Genesis 2 zooms in, if you will, to that sixth day um, to w- when he created humankind. So Genesis 2, look at verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed, remember that, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So later on, we, uh, we know that he created woman, he created Eve, right? She created him from the rib of Adam, um, so verse 7, I just just to be clear, is four women as well. It's good news. <laughs> so interesting, God created us in his likeness, and how we came to life was his breath. His breath that was life. How you and I are living right now, it's because of his breath. It's his voice. So we were created in his image to rule and reign. And how do we have life? It's his breath, it's his voice. Okay, interesting. So every everything you do in life to rule and reign, must be submitted to his breath and his voice. It's how you fully operate in his original design. See, we can't rule or reign in life without his voice breathing on what we do. So again, that's, that's how we were created, to walk in communion with God. Very Genesis language. See, it's important to know that we weren't created because God needed us. He wasn't like lonely, right? We don't see that. We were created just, or, or we also don't see that we were just created for eternity, for heaven. <laughs> so you weren't created just to go to heaven. Hear me. Heaven is where we're go, where we going. We know that. But remember, sin entered later on in the story. And, and what sin did is broke that communion. So Jesus ultimately had to come back to bring us back into communion so that then we can go to eternity. Are you tracking with me? Maybe not. Here we go. Because I would argue we weren't created at the beginning just for heaven. It says we were created to be like him, to then rule and reign. Interesting. Sin came in, then Jesus came, right? So then something happened to that original identity. Otherwise, (laughs) Jesus wouldn't have said, you must be born again. Does that make sense? Jesus came and said, you must be born again, so... But we were created, so something must have happened there, sin. Something must have happened for him to say, you must be born again. See, we need to get the truth of what Jesus did for us, why he came, why he died, why he rose from the dead, and what that means for us. Because now, as born-again believers, we must get this. If you're taking notes, write this down. We must start where he finished to rule and reign well. We must start where he finished to rule and reign well kind of like the whole thing that that i said before is working from an identity not for one right we know jesus came and died to restore us as sons and daughters not because we are sinners he needed he needed to die to deal with sin yes that happened but to restore us back unto the righteousness of god to rule and reign so this thought start where he finished it kind of made me think, well, I, I'm, that's something I say a lot. That's something that we kind of say is just start where you finish, identity. But I started even thinking more, where did Jesus, quote, like finish? Like, where did he finish? Because if I need to start there, where did he finish? So when I think of what, what came to mind then is when Jesus on the cross, and he said, it is finished. <laughs> so when he said that, what, what did he mean? Was he just like, my death is finished? Are you saying, I'm finished, here's my last breath? I I mean, maybe, probably. I mean, that, that, that doesn't sound too wrong. But I think what he was really saying was his mission was finished. Why he came was finished. So that he can be raised up. So that the payment that was made to get us back to the original created state. That payment that he made on the cross was finished fully. So... How did, how did he finish? What, what was Jesus' last hurrah, if you will? What were his last words, right? If you remember, how did he fi- Like, he ascended, right? So he ascended. So these are the, he died. He said it was finished. And then he came back. And we're about to see he revealed himself. So this is kind of his last days of his ministry on earth. Are, are you tracking? So let's uh, flip to our Bibles to John 20. We're going to kind of see, um, quote, kind of quote, where did he finish, if that makes sense. John 20, verse 16. Verse 16 says this I love hearing the pages flip. So good. Okay. Verse 16. This is uh, Jesus revealing himself to, to Mary. I love this. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, uh, Rabboni, Rabboni, whatever you want to say, tomato, tomato, which means teacher. Verse 17. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Listen to this. Go instead to my brothers, say brothers, and tell them, Brothers. Go, go instead to my brothers, say brothers, and tell them, Can you guys tell them a dad now? Okay, to my brothers, tell them, Listen to this. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. What I love about this verse is he says, Go and tell my brothers quick little side nugget here. I love this. If you remember and we're about to see here soon, his brothers his disciples, how many of you know like they were in a room scared. Right? Probably in that room. then maybe this is Jake thoughts here, but kind of mixed bag of thoughts in that room. Scared for their own lives. Is Jesus actually coming? Maybe losing faith. Maybe some had faith and were like, I'm still waiting. But but the Bible is clear that they were in a room afraid for their lives, right? Whatever it is, I love that Jesus right away. (laughs) He says, my brothers. He reinstates that his disciples are family. He has such a value for relationship and family. And he knows that they're afraid somewhere. And he said, go, go, go tell my brothers. It's awesome. The next verse is huge. He says, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. See, to me, I see that he's explaining through relationship what has been done. He's saying, it's been done. Identity has been restored. Righteousness is found again. Our right standing identity is restored. To me, that, that verse is Genesis language. It's oneness. It's likeness. It's being in Christ now. He goes as far as saying, my father, who is your father? My God, who is your God? See, he's showing the new reality that, that what he did is now we are one and you are now that who I'm one with, you are now too. Look down at your Bibles to verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Verse 20 says, After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Sounds like my baby. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Listen to this again, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So Jesus says, peace be with you, because they're afraid. But then he said it again, because he's saying peace is a person. (laughs) He said it twice. He said, hey, peace is with you now. He's saying what just finished on the cross and, and this new this new thing, it is finished, the mission. You now have peace. Peace is with you, it's finished, it's restored. And then he's and then he shows them his wounds. Remember, we must start where he finished. So we start with seeing his wounds and understanding what he went through for us. We start with fully receiving, fully, <laughs> fully receiving the payment that he made. See, we know the wounds that he endured for us. They mean so much. If you know the wounds that he, that, that he endured for us, don't you think that would change who we are? See, knowing it's finished, so, so we start with what has already been done, the payment on the cross. Not thinking that some stuff in our lives wasn't under that payment. He said it was finished. So get this, if I can say this, on the cross, sin was taken, it was demolished. The Bible talks about we are washed white as snow. We're a new creation. So it's like he's restoring what was lost in Genesis. So as if we have never sinned. Yikes, here we go. What does that remind us of? Creation, Genesis, language. Then he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So we're sent on a mission to represent Christ wherever we go. We were made for righteousness through what Jesus did. And then there's ascending. Once again, it sounds like Genesis. We're created to rule and reign. We're sent, created to rule and reign. See, and then here, it doesn't stop here. Then it says, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, I would argue again that prophetically, this is Genesis language. Full identity, restoration was found and finished back to the garden. He prophetically breathed on his disciples, saying he was giving fresh life. He reinstated Genesis creation over them. So we start where he finished. Where is that? The finished work of the cross where he dealt with sin. That's why in the rest of the Bible we aren't called sinners, but we're called saints. We are found righteous because we are now found in him and him in us. So he made a way back full circle to the garden. We were, where we were where we were always supposed to be. See, it's his blood and resurrection that declares new life over you. So tonight, let me ask you, do you hear that? Jesus' blood is speaking better things over you right now than what the world is. <laughs> it's a payment poured out. The, the Bible talks about his blood poured out on the mercy seat forever. So it's finished. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and we are there with him. See, this truth tonight can set you free if you let it. So receive his blood, because his blood is speaking better things over you. His finished work will actually, when you receive it, it will reveal who you really are. Righteousness, right standing with God. Righteousness destroys all insecurities. Right standing with God, how he sees you, destroys all shame, guilt, condemnation. This is good news. Hebrews 1.8 says, but to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Other translations say you rule your kingdom with righteousness. So Jesus came to rule you as righteous. When you get born again, you were knighted. You were dubbed on the shoulders with a scepter of righteousness. And just like we read before, you were given new clothes. right you have a robe of righteousness it talks about it's a gift of righteousness so imagine him tailoring a robe for you all you have to do is open it it's a gift and you put it on and get this when we put it on we're never to take it off when we have false negative identity issues in our life it's not because oh here we go it's not because life circumstances or feelings it's because we took the robe off There's no harshness in my voice tonight. I just want to speak truth. So we must tonight. Tonight's a night where you're putting the robe back on. Believe the truth that sets you free. It's all about the work he did for us, not the work that we can do for him. It's the lack. It's it's working for an identity. See, there's one way to look at yourself in the kingdom. Think of it this way. What got you through the door of the kingdom, if it was your actions or worse yet what keeps you out of the kingdom, what keeps you from walking to that door is, let's say, your wrong actions. And hear me, character, holiness is important. But what I'm saying is that if that keeps you from righteousness, what happens if actions and law got you through the door, then what keeps you in the room is your actions. If you're performing correctly. But if Jesus and his finished work is the door, then always what he has done keeps you in the room and you believing that. See, to understand we are the righteous of God, we must start where he finished. See, when we have things of the flesh pop up, condemnation, shame, all that stuff, righteousness shows me when that stuff pops up. It shows me that when that stuff pops up, I don't understand. I'm seeing wrong. I don't understand the forgiven work of the Lord. See, it doesn't mean that when we have those things in our life, we're evil, we're doing something wrong. It just means that we're seeing wrong. Therefore, when we see wrong, we believe wrong. Matthew 17, 23 says this. Let me read this. I love this. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Okay. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. So the will is, is being that tree that bears good fruit. Many will say to me, on that day, Lord... Did we not prophesy in your name, in your, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I tell them plainly, I never knew you. Over, away from me, evildoers! See, Jesus is showing us how this works. Once again, we're oaks of righteousness. So the goal is to be a good tree. How do you get good fruit? Well, if the tree is good, you will get good fruit. See, as Christians, it's easy to do this stuff. Of life, It's easy to serve, to feel better about ourselves, instead of receiving. See, trees just receive from the soil from where they were planted, being established, established in truth. See, if we aren't, we can actually struggle. I've been there. We can struggle with our callings, vocations, because we ultimately are working for an identity once again instead of from one. See, knowing who you are, what kind of tree you are, is the goal. Being, believing who you are. Because what happens is then in life you don't seek out the fruit. In our Christian life, the thing we really must be careful of is searching out for the next big encounter and making that the goal. Making sure, quote, revival or encounter has to happen. What do I do to, to make sure that my encounter happens? Or when you get in that mindset of just comparing encounters to other encounters. Please hear me. Wanting the encounter, that desire to encounter him, is a really good thing. We talk about it all the time. But it's different than seeking out the encounter or trying to create the encounter for yourself. One is the heart wanting to receive from the Father, and the other is being in a place where you are not established. See, one is a son or a daughter that is planted firmly, established in truth, not working for something, but planted in love and connection, relationship. However, the other is in lack. I need this breakthrough for this thing to happen. See, we want the encounters. We want him to break through. Tonight, we, that's our desire. We, we sang it, we prayed about it, for him to break through, to come and rush in with his glory and touch people. But it's very important And as a family, we must be reminded of this, that encounters fully come from us being planted in truth and ministering to his heart. The fruit comes from an established tree. When you're established in truth, the encounters that come are just blessings. If you're seeking the encounter without being established in truth, without knowing who you are, then you always need that next encounter for you to be firmly established. See how many times have have you been in this place? I've been in this place before, where you say something, and there's grace here, this like this is me, like I'm raising all all limbs here. I haven't felt the love of God in a while, and then you get introspective and you wonder what you did wrong. How many of you kind of been somewhere like that before? Well, first John tells us to rely or believe in the love of God. We aren't supposed to just feel the love of God, but we are told to believe it. You only, your, your, your um, experience of the love of God is limited to just how you feel, right? But we are called to read the word, have truth set us free, and believe the love of God. So faith. You were created to bear good fruit. Ephesians 2 says you were saved by grace through, does anyone know? Faith, believing. Alex has taught about this multiple times. The Bible says Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. So faith, believing, receiving the gifts of God, bring about our righteousness found through him. So our job is to be a tree, a tree that receives where he's planted. See, these type of truths, humility is what brings, grace is the empowering presence to, to walk this out. Humility brings about the grace to receive this gift. Pride resists it. See, I would argue it's false humility to not fully receive what God says about you. Pride says something like this. I can't believe God can actually love me that much. Oh yeah, I, I actually don't think that it's that simple or that good. False humility. Humility truly says this. He has to think that way about me because he wouldn't have sent his most prized possession. That's humility. It says, oh wait, his word is true. While we were yet still sinners, he gave his life and came in resurrection power to give me life. That's true humility. Yes, he had to die because we sinned, but he gave us life through his resurrection. See, in growing up or hearing some other teachings, I've noticed that the church has gotten really good at being sin conscious in their teaching. It's crept into our churches instead of being righteousness teaching. A church that teaches on righteousness. Over the years, if, if you do that, you, you make it all about just praying a prayer to make sure you get to heaven. But no, Jesus came and died because you are of major value to him. He paid the great price, I think, whoever is welcoming or something for the joy set before him. That's what the Bible says. What was that joy? It's for you, it's for this restoration that I'm talking about. So, how do we receive this? Are you guys tracking? Are you guys good? How do we receive this? So, we start where he finished, we're starting to understand what he's done, we start to understand what the gospel is doing, but how do we practically receive this? The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is. Your thinking determines who you are. This is a wild concept. (laughs) What you believe up here will produce fruit in your life. So you make the tree good, you understand who you are, and the fruit's got to be good. If you believe you are righteous, you will bear fruit unto God into your life that is righteous. So for me, this is convicting. If, if you aren't producing righteous fruit, then that means you took that robe off. See, living by faith looks like this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Living by faith, understanding this looks like this. It's, it's living in a way where, here it is, it's having more confidence in his ability and grace to keep you in truth than your ability to fail. I'm going to say it again. Imagine if you lived and woke up saying, I have more confidence in his ability and grace to love me and keep me in this truth than my ability to fail. Thank you. When you, when you fully receive the gift of righteousness, what he's freely done for you, and you let forgiveness wash over you, I know you, some of you have experienced this, I've had. It will change how you look at your life and specifically how you look at people when you let forgiveness wash over you and you see how forgiven you are, when you have that, people don't really get on your nerves as easy. (laughs) Right? People don't, quote, get under your skin. See, how would a dead to self person feel someone get under their skin? When somebody has a robe of righteousness on and they see how forgiven they are, how would you let somebody's sin produce sin in you? See, it looks in the midst of a trying time to have confidence and assurance in what you believe. It's saying, you know what, this time may be difficult, but I don't have to live in defeat or discouragement now. Why? Because that doesn't belong to a son or a daughter. It looks like saying, I know I'm going to be okay because I believe that if, if God is for me, then who can be against me? It's saying things like, God, you are so good, and I know you only have plans for me to prosper. Since you died on the cross years and years ago, you made a payment. Death and destruction cannot touch my family. It's talking that way. And then from that, you say, therefore, Jesus, you are my joy. I delight in you. It's saying things like, I put back on my robe that you gave me as a right-standing son or daughter. When you see me, God, you see Jesus. It's talking like this. Washed white as snow. God, you said, speak to the mountain and it shall be moved. <laughs> See, side note, tonight, there's, there's mountains. I felt this in writing and kind of going over my teaching. There's mountains in people's lives right now that seem really big. And some of you tonight, because truth is setting you free, are about to step into a stronger faith and authority tonight. There's fresh faith being poured out, where you can start today and make a vow to tell God how big your mountains are. Instead of doing that, tell your mountains how big God is. When you have this robe of righteousness and you start believing what he says, you start declaring things different. You have a spring in your step. He says, speak to it and it shall be moved. The Lord says, may the weak say I'm strong. That's for you tonight. Doesn't that sound like what I was saying? Doesn't that sound like living by faith? Or does that sound kind of more like a mind over matter thing or stressfully going throughout life and trying to like figure out what to say? No. Or does that sound like stepping into a life where you're fully established in truth? See, that, that really does beat what I've been in before where it says, yeah, man, life really stinks right now, but just living by faith. The other way is established in truth. The other is believing you're in luck. You're waiting for an accident to happen. So to end. Are you guys alive? Let's flip to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is a good passage. Thank you, Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1. This one's a little harder to find. It's the kind of one, like, you know when you're, like, flipping in your Bible, and you're like, I swear, it was there. And you're going way too fast, and then you try and slow your thumb down? This is one of those. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Second Peter chapter 1. Did you guys find it? Okay. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That already, we're going to kind of go th- through this to end. Yeah, I'll be quick. But Peter, what I love is Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So this is Peter writing it. We all know this is a big deal, and this was stuck out to me again, because we all know in reading the Bible, we know Peter's shortcomings. Peter's about to talk about righteousness. This is the guy that denied Christ. This is the guy that pulled a sword out, right? And so he knows his shortcomings, Right? But he's about to speak about righteousness. This guy knows what he's talking about. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received, say received, a faith is precious as yours. That word received, does anyone, I'm looking for another, does somebody else have a translate? Received or is there another word that you see? Obtain. Woo! To those that have received, obtained a precious faith, it's saying his righteousness allowed us to obtain faith for the work of this righteousness. His righteousness, what he did, gave us faith, not our works. <laughs> See, if you don't pursue his righteousness through relationship, you will reduce it to serving him through church and ministry. <laughs> See, I'm all for serving. We just did an announcement for serving. Tech team, hello, best team up there. Um, we need your help. So I'm all for serving. Oh, you guys are alive. I'm all for serving, but you can't have what you do for him. Take the place of knowing him. Righteousness, knowing him. See, if you don't develop a relationship, you will only get used to serving him and you will be a servant. I didn't know if I was going to say this, but here we go. You'll be a servant instead of a bride. You might every now and then have an encounter with him, but the bride is fully married to the bridegroom. Yeah. See, Sundays, <laughs> Sundays, we don't just go on, we're, we're not dating God. Sundays isn't just like a date night with God. As Christians who are the full bride of Christ, we don't do one night stands with God. Yeah. Sundays isn't a one night stand. We are the bride. This is a guy talking this way. Song of Solomon, I'm married to Jesus. I'm his bride. I'm in the room with him. I intimately know him. Do you? Verse 2. Sorry, tangent, we're almost done. Verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Wow. Through what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace be yours in abundance. Through what? Ministry? Vocation, circumstances, no, knowledge. So not just learning, but faith, knowledge, the knowing of Jesus. That's how you get grace and peace. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. Oh my gosh, this is in your Bible? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of whom... Of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4 Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So, this knowledge, this goodness, so that through them, get this, through those, we may participate in the divine nature. (laughs) <laughs> having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Evil desires there, there's other translation that say the lust of the flesh. That isn't like sexuality, that, that has nothing to do. Evil desires there, in there, means self-centered living. So we actually have an opportunity to participate in this d- divine nature. How? Through righteousness, believing, having escaped from our self-centered living. God's divine nature is love, selfless. That nature is for us. Do you remember when Jesus says, deny yourself? (laughs) Pick up your cross and follow me. See, once again, this could sound crazy, but we don't come to him for eternal life. We came to him because he has a new life for us. We come to him for transformation and change for what he paid for. How do I know this? Is We can pray the prayer and go to heaven, but and then nothing changed. And then you come on Sunday, and you sing the songs. But that's not the gospel. The gospel's transformation. Yeah. Wait, we, we know this. The Bible talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. The hope of his presence is in you and wants out. See, it's about personal transformation. Verse 5. Oh, gosh. I'm going to land the plane here. Here we go. I have a timer this time, and I think I'm doing okay. Kind of not. Here we go. Verse 5. Look at your Bibles. For this very reason, make every effort. Oh, wow. He's saying really do this. Make every effort to add to your faith. Add to your faith. Add to your believing goodness. So God, good. Goodness to goodness. From that goodness will be knowledge. And unto knowledge. If you know about God, if you know the things of God, you will have self-control. And to self-control you will then have perseverance. If you have control over yourself and stay true to his knowledge, you will persevere. And that perseverance of continuing to stay in track with him brings godliness. And that godliness, mutual affection to people loving God, loving your neighbor, to mutual affection, and that equals love. Verse 8. If, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, so you are supposed to grow, get this they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's saying if this is your character, if you have these things because you receive this by faith, if you have these, you will not be ineffective to what? Worship, ministry, your job? No, your knowledge of Christ, of knowing him, what he's done. If you remember, John 17 says, this is eternal life, that they may what? Know "Know you. Eternal life is knowing God and knowing how he sees you. See you being fruitful, having these kingdom qualities that we just read, aren't from trying, it's by knowing him. (sighs) This is good news. Your main goal is to know him. Jesus made this possible for you. How? By receiving him, believing him. That tonight should bring fresh peace over your life. Verse 9, we're almost done. But whoever does not have those things (laughs) is nearsighted and blind. Get this. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. (sighs) Woo! This is the kicker. If you don't have these, it sounds a little intense, but it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. If you don't have this, he's saying you're blind. You're not seeing right. And I love this. This is how the gospel simple. He gives you one reason. Why? One reason. You're not seeing yourself cleansed. You're not seeing yourself as righteous. How easy is that? It's easier said than done. But one reason is it's just because you're not seeing yourself cleansed as clean. You will see that list in your life if you believe you are the righteousness of God. Last verse of the night. Here we go. Verse 10, therefore, my brothers and sisters, I want you to see this with your eyes. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. It's saying that this this way of living is your calling, knowing him. You're elected for this. For if you do these things, what? Oh, gosh. Woo, Abby. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. That's in your Bible. So are we going to follow Jesus? Remember the Bible talks about if we live by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What do we do with verses like this? Let me tell you what we aren't going to do. We're not going to create a theology on why we can't live by the Spirit. Instead, we're going to do our best humbly to give ourselves to this calling. Let's all stand. Let's invite, I want to invite the worship team back up, the prayer team. How many of you feel free? Did somebody, Does somebody get something? Yeah. Yeah. Me, again. Yeah. Guys, I didn't hear this stuff growing up. It's weird, though, because we all have the same Bible. There's a lot of stuff we just read that was in your Bible. Like I said, I don't have a special Bible. Maybe maybe I do. Maybe for some of you religious, I'm going to get in trouble for this. I wasn't reading out of the Passion. (laughs) I was NIV, baby. (laughs) Can we have the prayer team come up? Sorry. I want to end with a declaration. We ended with uh, reading some scripture. Now we're going to end um, with this. And I want to say this um, in faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is kind of a long one, but here we go. Let's declare this together. One, two, three. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Next slide. Get this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God were here making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Get this. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise for that? So good. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Release your joy in this place. (laughs) the joy of our salvation. Release it now, Lord. Release your joy. Release the grace, the empowering presence to walk this thing out. Lord, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So I just sense that your kindness is drawing us into thinking better, to thinking rightly. Release that grace now. Lord, set your people free right now in Jesus' name. Give us fresh strength to have faith, to believe these things. Lord God, I thank you that you are building a church that actually will take you at your word. I thank you for this week, how people's lives are about to be changed because they're thinking differently. I thank you that actually, after tonight, there's going to be some people that said, Oh, I don't feel that shame anymore. I don't feel that guilt or condemnation. I feel squeaky clean. I thank you that starting tonight, people are going to start looking in the mirror and seeing Jesus. (laughs) And see Jesus through them. God, I thank you that after tonight that, well, the Bible says, if you sin, not when you sin. Oh, gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. But I thank you that people, if they do stumble, their eyes are going to go straight to Jesus as the clean sacrifice. You didn't create us to sin. You created us to be righteous. So pour out your blood right now. Maybe open your hands and just receive it. Say, I receive your blood. I receive your truth. So to end, I don't have crazy minute. Maybe Austin, you can come for, we have some words, but really this is just a time for you to go to the Lord. There's a couple different things. This is either a time of the Lord where you feel quiet and you're like, oh, that guy's crazy. I don't have a lot of that seemed blasphemous. Hmm. We can talk later. Um some of you are sitting there and just like, is this real? Is this? I've never walked this out before. So there's times where it just takes you turning the other way. Repentance isn't this dirty, guilty thing. It's just saying, oh, I've been walking this way, thinking this way. Oh, here we go, back to Jesus. So this time is about to happen for you, where you turn in repentance. Because you feel his kindness. Wow, he's that good. And then in this time of worship, there's going to be uh, a time of celebration. Where you're actually going to be like, oh my gosh, that's who I am. You're going to celebrate. And then lastly, I just felt this is actually kind of uh, more from Alex. It's just there's also people that are going to re-sign up again. Or there's even people that have never truly. I'll be as bold as saying this. Yeah, there's some people here that just really have not accepted Jesus. And you know that. There's no shame. There's no shame. I just was able to show you the good news of how he sees you. So there's even some people, oh, I'm going to be real bold here. In youth group, it always would, all, every eye closed and, and down. No, when you raise your hand and say yes to Jesus, you want the world to know. So raise your hand if, there's, if this message did something. This isn't for me. Just raise your hand if tonight you're accepting Jesus fully for the first time. I see one there, up there. We see you. Let's all pray. Let's all, it's awesome. So good. Let's all, as family, let's all, I mean, I could, I, could pray, I could pray this prayer all the time, but with them as family, this is the first time. Let's all pray this together. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I deny myself. I'm picking up my cross and following you. I say no to the world and yes to your kingdom. Jesus I sign up for the call that is eternal life to know you. Thank you that I'm going to heaven. Thank you for your son Jesus. Holy Spirit come into my heart and make it a home. I'm done living for myself. Jesus I love you. Jesus pour your joy out on me. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the app store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. It's so much easier when I'm fine.